0: Hello, people. This is Just Because the Human Experience podcast. I'm Michael Lobo. Still. This is episode 146. Yeah. This was recorded October 2nd. Today is November 6th. I'm very excited to share this conversation, this interview I had with my friend Abraham. I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky to be able to know this person and Hopefully, he calls me a friend. If he doesn't, I will cry for seven hours. Hope you're doing okay out there. Um, and if you're not, I feel like this episode will, will cheer you up. I hope to look at life, even just look at a day, with, uh, with the optimism and uh, hopefulness Abraham does. He's going to have to come on a second episode and finish because we we ran over. We just we just kept talking and it it just flowed and it was wonderful. I hope you're doing wonderfully. 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 Enjoy. Get some. Boom. Abraham. Hey, hey, hey. How are you
1: ah, doing? I am doing very well, my friend. How are you over there?
0: I am. I'm pretty great. I am so Good. excited. Good. It's 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 been a while. It has been 75 years. Um, oh, I counted 76, but I'll take 75. It oh, did, it... I was being modest about um, that one Thursday we won't talk about. <laughs> we will not talk about no, it. That, we... that is in the past. We don't need evidence. Um, Let it go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited Ah. to be able to talk to you um, on the podcast. What I remember about you, Mm. like you're dead, but what I, uh, the impact you made on me was every time I saw you around ASU, you were just, you were always so, so happy and positive, right? We would, we see each other in the, the theater building or even around campus. Yeah. That stayed with me. And I you know, I was talking to Serena last night. She yes. said, who's, who's on your podcast? And I said, oh, it's Abraham. And she said, oh, my God, he's so nice. And I said, yes, that is. <laughs> and I want to start with, why the hell are you doing that? No, uh, like what? Uh... <laughs> it's all up <a> front. <laughs> oh, perfect. We got the scoop now. No, cause I'm, scoop. I'm such a grumpy gumps. And so you're always so happy. What, where does that come from? Ah, geez. Wow. What a compliment.
1: I don't know. I thank you again for, for that. Uh, It's not to boast or anything, but it's, it's not the first time I've, I've heard. And I've had friends who have asked me, what, what is your source of whatever it is that you're doing that keeps you doing, you know? And I'm like. I I wish I had one answer if it's an antidote to just, you know, it's it's I guess it's a little more complicated than that, because life, I'm sure, as we've experienced even in these past these past couple of years alone, you know, it's um, anything can happen anything, you know, and whoever thought we would be in a situation like this, where the whole world is being attacked by the very air we breathe. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, some people believe it, and some don't, and that's even causing controversy. So, yeah. what are we supposed to do with that information? You know, the one part of me is like, well, we can either be grumpy about it when I, I don't just call yourself a grumps. <laughs> you <laughs> call yourself a grumpy grumps, uh, and 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 allow for the con- for something that we already know that is part of life that it's going to suck. It's going mm. to suck a lot. And uh, that's a given. It's almost as a, it's a certainty as taxes and death. Yeah, life is going to suck. Um, so we have that information. It's nothing new. It varies on the, on the degree of suckitude. But, mm-hmm. you, you know, um, we know for a fact that something is going to happen one day or another. But what's beautiful about the opportunities, understanding that even though that life can't suck, the fact that we understand what, hurt, suffering, pain can be,
0: mm-hmm.
1: means that there are opportunities and moments where we can actually celebrate life as well. And I think overall, it's um, it's a healthier option mm. to uh, continuously remind one of that. And also, you know, that's, I guess, a broad philosophical kind of thing, but personal life journey as well, understanding what I have needed to do in order to continue pursuing my career here in the United States and leaving my family and my loved ones back at home and the conditions that things were in when I was leaving and the, the concern about me coming to a completely different continent and a new country and pursuing this very unlikely career um, that many people, uh, you know, uh, would say shun, but then don't necessarily see as as tangible, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that's over there, like it's over there, but focus on something that's a little more realistic, a little closer to home. Uh, And I decided not to. And I think being enriched by other people's stories and the hope that I derive from those stories keep me focused on what I need to do. Even the constraints here that I've experienced in the United States over the, the 13 years that I've been here so many things could have taken me out but they haven't and i'm still on track even though sometimes the track looks like this and it's a bunch of shaky turbulence um, i'm still i'm still still doing what i what i what i set out to do and um so for that part it's like well good okay cool let's 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 let's, let's uh, keep going and and um and Again, that's very broad, but it's, it's, it's a huge part into, a, into the, the, ver- the various things that add to choosing to be on a more positive outlook than um, one of continuous despair. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's kind, kind of it. Bas- basically, ask me tomorrow. I'll probably have a different answer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, was the, that was the correct answer. So thank you. That was that was beautiful, and uh, for the seven people who listen to this, oh. who's used to to grumpy, grumpy, grumpy episodes, <laughs> and just talking shit and despair, and then they're gonna hit this. It's gonna be beautiful. But to sort of narrow the the spectrum of life, what were mm. the best and worst parts of your week? Just these mm. past seven days.
1: Mm. You know, um, I, I'll tell you. I
0: actually, even in
1: my positive outlook, I actually kind of struggled to pick. The best part of this week. Um, I was like, what is there that's good that has happened this week that I can talk <laughs> about? It's like, I have nothing. But then then I remembered, oh, yeah, Manchester United won <laughs> a there soccer game. Yeah, And it was one of those very dramatic and unnecessary anxiety-building games where it's like, guys, we have this. What are we doing? Yeah. Um, and then in dramatic fashion, of course, I don't, I don't know how much you follow... Uh, uh, English soccer or, uh, or any of that stuff. I'm a huge Manchester United fan. And uh, recently, we uh, we, were, we were fortunate to re-sign arguably one of the greatest players of all time, Cristiano mm-hmm. Ronaldo. He's come back to the team. And, of course, for some of us who have been following him since, since the early days, he is a huge, you know, he's a huge icon, just A joy to watch And is always wonderful When he comes to the pitch He's always He always produces something So You know If there wasn't any reason To watch Manchester United Because it's been struggling Recently Having Cristiano Ronaldo Back in the squad Was like Yes We got somebody Who's You know Who's a proven winner And uh, a game changer And he has been And this week We were playing a game In the UEFA Champions League Against Villarreal uh, a, A Spanish club Which is it was very tricky to play and we were losing and at that particular point we had lost our first game if we had lost this game the chances of us qualifying to get into the next phase of the competition was slim to none and we this was a must win game and we were losing at home as well which is like we don't oh, even no. have home ground advantage so this is terrible and i was at work when this is happening i was like i'm working I'm speaking about positivity and kindness. I have no time to be focusing on how I want to punch my screen right now because this news that's coming through is bad. The kids who are watching, I need to be respectful. Um, and so I turned off all uh, notifications so I could focus on my work. And then, as soon as I was done with my job, went back on and I saw that we had turned around the game when we were losing one goal to zero, and we just won two one. And Cristiano Ronaldo. Came in and scored the second goal on the 95th minute, which was the final minute of the five-minute extra time that uh-huh. had been given for the full time of play. And just like old times, it was like, Oh yeah, that's why you're back in the squad because you are the man. And that was great. So it was a, a roller coaster ride that ended with celebration and happiness. So best part of the week for sure
0: i think was that moment one mm-hmm. of those moments yeah the Absolutely. worst was that also the worst part at the same time um <laughs> no i think I, I
1: i was able to think something that topped that by a mile uh by, by a million miles unfortunately unfortunately one of our good friends one of my good friends uh from college i don't even know if you maybe a jeremiah might know uh um might know her, but a friend of ours unfortunately lost her husband recently uh, mm. passed away a few days ago that they, they would have been married for ten years yesterday, and he just died a few days short of that and and also her husband also happened to be the brother of another friend of mine who we all met in ASU like we all knew each other, and so learning of that passing and him leaving behind a beautiful family with three kids, it was difficult to 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 even begin to imagine what that must be like mm-hmm. losing a chosen life partner um and then suddenly at such mid-30s like there's still so much life ahead to then learn that that person who you've chosen for the past for over a decade is no longer going to be there to help you go through everything that life has to offer you know i've, I've had death in my life too and and but it's always it's 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 never the right time for someone to pass, mm-hmm. even though it, we know it's going to happen at some point, but even more so when it happens prematurely at such a younger age. So it's, that was, you know, I feel for, I feel for the family. I feel for the kids and wish they, um, I wish they managed to get through this, uh, this troubled time. And um, the community will come through and support best way we can, but yeah, it's hard. It's, it's difficult. Even think about it now. It's like, I don't know where to begin other than to just know, let that friend know that I'm here. Whatever mm-hmm. you need, whatever I can do, I will offer. So that was tough. Worst news, hands down, there's nothing, nothing that can top that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard to when you know the person, mm. like what what can you do? Even just saying I'm sorry, or it doesn't feel like enough. It doesn't feel uh Yeah to to be in that position and then even as i i think about it now with uh, with our son um mm. mm-hmm. that if something were to ever happen to me or serena mm. just that 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 crushing um feeling could could you even let anyone help when you're when you're in the middle of it um, right uh yeah i hope i hope the best for them as well that's yeah
1: yeah, I hope so too. But uh, we're here. we 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 we've made it this far, so we got to, there's a reason, and we got to keep pushing and keep keep doing what we have to do,
0: whatever. Yeah,
1: it is that our calling is, you know, until until the final moment. So
0: yeah, absolutely. You brought up football, soccer. Mm. My my son's in 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 soccer right now. Nice. And you know, they they come to the school and they play the kid. They they play with the kids and we even took them to a Phoenix rising game. I thought, okay, cool. This could be something like we do as a family. Nice. Um, yeah. And I look over like I'm watching my students play and I look over at his class and he's collecting pine cones. Yeah. I go, what are you? <laughs> the coach is like, come on, kick the ball. You can do it. He's piling all his pine cones. And finally I go, I'm paying for this class. Kick the ball, <laughs> <laughs> do something with the ball. Wow. It's, oh maybe maybe we'll wait a little bit. Maybe this is not the <laughs> uh, how yeah. old is your son? I, he's I, 15. I... No, uh he <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. I didn't know
1: you so, had started that early in the uh, game, he... but sir.
0: It's terrible. No, he just turned four. So, oh, uh, blessings. So you know, wow. Pine, pine cones are his his big deal. And then he'll <laughs> kick the ball occasionally.
1: But pine cones are his, his gem right now. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I, 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 I feel like, so at least, uh, yeah, he's out there enjoying nature and collecting, collecting pine cones and, you know, putting them somewhere and making all the squirrels jealous as to just, how to do it
0: properly. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just sitting See there it? thinking of all the money, the, the receipt I got emailed to me about this damn oh, class. Geez. And I go, damn right. it, this is, you better sell those pine cones to pay me back. To pay you know, back for this investment. Start paying rent. Like, um, Dad, you should
1: have asked me first, what if I wanted to be the master pinecone collector? I don't want to kick a soccer
0: ball. You should have you should have consulted with me now, Pops. I, sh- I should have. That's, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to let him know that he has um, consent. No, uh, no thoughts. None. Nothing. nothing. None. So you you brought up sort of where you came from. This, this is what I yeah. like to do is to highlight a person's journey, where they yes. came from, how do they get to where they are now, talking to a, an old Cambodian woman like me. And could you share a little bit about where, where you were born, where your family's from, from the country of Florida? No, just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> no. Florida,
1: Florida, Florida, man. Type my Fa- name and type in Florida, man. You
0: see. For- oh, no. Sponsored by Florida. Um, Sponsored by Florida. And the oh, anti-vaxxers. Um, maybe not. So yeah, oh. can you share a little bit about your journey? So maybe sure. like, Yeah.
1: Sure. So uh, I'm from uh, I'm from
0: Florida. No, not. no, no. Um, <laughs> <You can> just, <laughs> just keep this going and see keep how it going, how, uh, see how goes. goes. No, where's this guy from? I don't know. Friend.
1: Can't you tell by my accent?
0: <laughs> I, yo, he's Floridian. Floridian. He's definitely Floridian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I'm I'm from uh, a country called Malawi. Uh, M A L A W I is the spelling. Uh, it's uh, a landlocked country that's located in uh, Southeast Africa. So, if anyone is inclined to to pull up Google Maps, you find it uh, in between Mozambique, Tanzania up north, and uh, Zambia to the to the west of, of the border. And uh, yeah, we're right landlocked there. It's um, you know, it's not the biggest country in the uh, in, in the continent, but I think the last time I checked, if you look about land area. Uh, or like my, uh, the area it occupies is about the same uh as uh the state of pennsylvania so mm-hmm. something around that just to keep people to give people an idea of the landmass yeah uh my family uh i i am uh the youngest of five children and we're very fortunate that uh we've we lived in in several places so my my upbringing is is very i'd say in, in, international so to speak because uh at a young age, I moved to the United Kingdom when my, my, my late father was a uh, was uh, stationed there as a as the Malawi High Commissioner, so just serving in the embassy out there. Uh, so at an early age, you know, I was really drinking tea, eating mm. hot cross buns, um, and then eventually I, I moved. We moved back to Malawi, and I was there for seven years before moving to South Africa, where I was there for boarding school, and uh, that's where my my continued passion of acting kind of uh, grew and grew until eventually I graduated from high school and looked into going to college, entertained the idea of moving to the United States. As I always knew, Hollywood was somewhere where I wanted to be as an actor. Didn't know how I was going to get there, but I knew at some point I'm going to make it there. Um, And then, you know, eventually ended up here, uh, going to Arizona State University, where we met um, and everybody else eventually ending up in uh, grad school in University of Houston and then pursuing you know my acting career that I have now um, so that's the overview of that but my uh, family are uh, fortunate to be still some members are living in Malawi my mom is there my eldest brother is there and my sister right before me lived there and my one sister lives in uh, the UK where she lives with her husband and two kids soon to be three they're expecting a baby hey. in december so yeah we get another i get to be uncle again and yeah. again i'll be an uncle of 12 12 now 13 12 i'll be an uncle of 12 i think now right. so you know lots of lots of experience lots of uh, of nieces and uh, mostly nephews but a couple of nieces here and there and uh, um so that's always something to celebrate and um Gosh, I'm trying to remember. What, what was the question you're asking? It me? was,
0: uh, what was your favorite Netflix series? I don't know. How uh, you yes, I have
1: no idea how to make it about yourself.
0: About
1: uh, <laughs> so selfish. Uh, uh,
0: so uh, where where did the acting bug sort of bite you? Do you remember sort of the first moment of feeling, oh, maybe this is something I would be interested in? Yes.
1: So the first bug, it was, I was three years old. Oh um, Yeah, started when I was three. I played one of the three kings that brought a gift to baby Jesus at a, at a I guess it was a preschool, a kindergarten event, I guess pre-K event when living in, the, in, the, in England at this time. And uh, my father had filmed uh, the, the, the little event at the school. And I remember one day we were sitting and watching the tape. And he said, uh, this was one of the proudest moments of my life, seeing me on stage and doing this whole little acting thing. And my little brain at that point was like, oh, I want to make dad proud. So I guess I'm going to be an entertainer, I suppose. And thus the seed was planted of being the class clown and all the trouble that I got into it From, from that point. Because I wanted to make everybody proud, I wanted to make everybody laugh. Uh, so that was kind of how that began, and yeah, it was just a continuation of always wanting to entertain, always wanted to make people laugh, always wanted to be make people, you know, crack a joke here, be that, be the prankster. That was that was kind of it. And then fast forward to the age of eleven, I was now back in Malawi. I was at my uh, my primary school at that time, Bishop Mackenzie International School. And I was acting in a play called Oliver Twist. Mm. Uh, it was a musical uh, based off of the book Oliver by, uh, uh, oh, goodness. Is it Roald Dahl? No, that's James and the Giant Peach. Who wrote Oliver? Ah.
0: J.K. Rowling.
1: J.K. Rowling. That's Let's somebody, just throw her, no, throw her name in there. Throw someone wrote name. it.
0: She, she makes people mad. No, <laughs> she um, makes people mad right now,
1: apparently. <laughs> apparently um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, that uh, Oliver was a, was a popular English uh, uh, musical uh, play and book. And I acted as Fagin, who was a master pickpocket. He was uh, the guy who took in Oliver, who was an orphan, into his little home of street life uh, uh, pickpocketers. And Fagin was a master pickpocket. And it was an opportunity where I got to sing, dance, and act. All three things that I enjoyed doing. And it was amazing to to be on stage and to do that and I remember there was a teacher who came up to me. I cannot f- remember her name, but I know it was her words that totally transformed the seed that had already been planted in my mind at the early age. She kind of just put fertilizer on it and watered it a little bit by saying the words Abraham, you're so talented. If you don't pursue acting as a profession, it'll be a waste of your talent. And that was the age of 11. That's when I said, Okay, I guess I am going to be an actor. And I'm going to move to Hollywood. So that was the uh, the moment. Again, it was like another boost. And I said, all right, I'm going to be an actor and I'm going to move to Hollywood and I'm going to make movies. And I don't know, again, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but that's what I'm going to do. Ever since then, it's always been every move I've made has been, okay, how does this add to that idea of me finally moving to Hollywood and becoming a movie star? How is this? And it's just been like a, a chess game uh, ever since then. And you know, it, it took a while cause I, I moved to the, to the United States at the age of 20, turning 21. So it was nine good years of figuring out how is this going to happen. Sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly, sometimes even giving up that it wasn't going to happen. You know, I just kind of just enjoying the acting process and just doing it. And then eventually, you know, what actually helped boost my move to the United States as an actor, I had finished, I had graduated from, from high school. And at the time, back in 2007, the best school in South Africa that was uh, offering um, a, a theater degree was Rhodes University down in Grahamstown, South Africa. It was the best acting school in the Southern Hemisphere at the time. There was a long, long waiting list to get onto that, to get into that school. And in you know, order, and now academically, yeah, I wasn't the strongest, so my grades didn't necessarily help. So I was further down the waiting list compared to others. And they said, well, it will take at least over a year before we'd even consider looking at the list to see who we're going to enroll into the program oh, and that's yeah. just consider not even mm-hmm. a guaranteed thing and so I was like gosh i got to sit around for a whole year doing what exactly you know that's when the conversation opened up like hey you know there's like a million other schools in America that could potentially allow me to come over there and do my acting what say you mom and pop you know, and it was like, ah, I, don't, I don't know. What about this doctor and accounting and lawyer uh, career that actually earns money, Abraham? Why don't, why don't you look at those? I'm like, yeah, but you know, no, I I, I, I don't. That's not, it's not really my thing. Uh-huh.
0: Uh, and,
1: and uh, you know, it took a very strong letter from my uh, former acting teacher in high school. She wrote a letter to my parents saying, you know what, your son really does have something. And if you can, you know, give him that opportunity to study. Uh, if, you, if you can manage to send him to America to actually pursue acting, you will not be disappointed because there's something there. And, you know, I don't know how many letters like that she's written, but the fact that she included me in that group of people that she really, really believed in shout out to Carol Ashman, much love. My ba- my parents were like, okay, I guess we'll, we'll do it. So all right, go ahead, pick the school, tell us what you need, bring results. This is your journey. So you have to spearhead this, do the research, find out how much it's going to cost, audition, whatever, apply. We'll tell us what you need and we'll do the best that we can to support. And they did. And, you know, 13 years later, two degrees later, you know, I'm here
0: and I'm, I'm a working actor. And they're still disappointed. Still waiting for... Still disappointed. They're still like, waiting for the ugh. you to become a doctor. No, uh, <laughs> that, I, I relate to that. My parents are from the, the Philippines. And so it, it was the whole, we worked really hard mm-hmm. getting to this country and you want to go play pretend and like, you want to go be, Michael, you want to go be Bunny. Who says you're Bunny, Michael? And I go... <laughs> Kids yeah. laugh at stuff I say. And well, I had that argument too that why don't you be a nurse? Why don't right. you be an engineer? My my mm-hmm. older sister is a nurse, my younger brothers are engineers, and then mm-hmm. here I am acting. Um yeah. that, that's how you act. Just just like that. Yeah. Like yeah. The, so they did not understand it. Uh, I still don't think they understand it now. And um I really love that they your your acting coach vouched for you absolutely to 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 your parents why well first before we get to ASU Mm -hmm. out of the three singing dancing acting yes was was there one that was sort of the trickiest to to get down like did did two of them come naturally to you and then yeah wow that's a great question I think
1: so I would say perhaps acting was the most natural Mm -hmm. uh just instinct. I didn't have any formal training, so to speak. Uh, I did stuff in, you know, in high school and drama club here and there, but there was no like acting technique. It was mostly just understanding the basic construct of, you know, script analysis and, and uh, uh, what is what are stakes and, you know, what mm-hmm. is your objective? Very loosely, basic. And then there was like Shakespeare. Uh, we talked about it a bunch, never really did much, but my instinct had always driven me to be, you know, and I was always willing. So I think the fact that I was always I wasn't afraid to 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 make a fool of myself just allowed me to do more. So acting was probably the most instinctual. Then I'd say a close second would be singing. I, uh, I can I can move my body. Uh, I'm good with choreography. Again, no, <laughs> I can yes, move my I can. body. I can move my body. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, there it, right, is. You know, so it is. There it is. Pa- people
0: listening and just are missing the magic they're missing, that's happening. They're missing right the now. magic that the little dance show you're getting. But
1: again, I, I never had any formal training. I was just I just had rhythm. Very fortunate that I, I understood rhythm. Being a mu- <laughs> being a musician.
0: <laughs> I, I, some I, I'm, people I'm, don't. Some people some. don't. Some people so that's don't. That's why I'm laughing. Some people uh, don't. Like finding that, that downbeat.
1: Yeah. yeah. find it, it's, it's simple. It sounds easy, right? But then it's like that downbeat boom, boom. It's like, can you move your body to that and right. stay on time mm-hmm. and then make it look appealing as well? That's yeah. another part, too. So I, it's like, I
0: remember one of the first moments our son was growing up yeah. and uh, a song came on and he started bobbing his head to the yeah. beat. And Serena and I said, thank goodness, he knows knows how to follow rhythm.
1: He's got rhythm. Boom.
0: Her and I both dance, and uh, that would have been a travesty. It probably would
1: have been. It's like, geez, dad, mom, why don't you give me that gene? Hey, maybe maybe, he'll be the master acorn collector. Already established that. That's where all the knowledge went.
0: (laughs) We're (laughs) (laughs) going to try to really harp on this collecting of uh, different nature things.
1: Yeah. But yeah, the the dancing, you know, it just it it came natural, no formal training. But um, I think I I spent more time focusing on the singing because it seemed to work a lot more hand in hand with my acting. Mm-hmm. And you know, you do voice training. I at least I did a little bit of voice training. Um, I was part of the choir again during that time of high school when boys were too cool for school and mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't uh, hip to do that I was like okay let me let me sing I'll, I'll sing that that solo I'll, I'll do the thing mm-hmm. and just by exposure it allowed me to exercise those muscles and teachers took to me because of that and I was able to do it and then I, I competed in competitions I, I, I won a couple of comp- singing competitions as well not necessarily being the best vocalist but best performer mm-hmm. um which was a lot of things. Oh, plenty of people who had better voices than me. I think I was I was able to bring all of my elements together and be entertaining to watch. So, and then I could carry a tune too. So it was like, okay, good. So I would say singing is a close second, and then dancing just because you know, again, naturally. But then let's let's check in when in in ten years when my lower <laughs> back and my right knee have a have oh, questions yeah. about. How much i want to move these days oh.
0: huh yeah no nope. nope. my, my my students yeah. will be playing tag and then i'll let them tag me occasionally right and they'll go huh michael love you're it and i'll i'll chase them and my knee will go not today and i'll like <laughs> i'll do that weird jerking thing but i could catch my body and i go oh god why why i'm only 33 <laughs> right. what happened
1: oh my it's, goodness it's yeah that that's my knee. My right knee has already started asking me questions about mm-hmm. life and the decisions and choices I've <laughs> made. I was like, now, really? Now? No,
0: no. And
1: then my lower back is like, mm-hmm. lower back too, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, come on, guys, look, please give me a chance. At least let me have some kids. Let me pick them up and do those uh, right. spinning around things. Can I do that first before you start subtracting mm-hmm. my abilities? Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's coming for you. It's coming, coming. to take freight that. trade. Oh. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> so why ASU why you doing you're doing all the research so how did you land here ASU
1: a uh, couple of factors at the time ASU was a lot a lot lot cheaper mm-hmm. than uh, a lot of the other schools that were uh, in contention at the point so that was one factor uh, as an international student just insight you have to demonstrate that you have, the full finances for one year of college as part of your enrollment thing. So at the time, oh. I think it was about $35,000 a year uh, for school and boarding, uh, mm-hmm. like living expenses. So you had to demonstrate you had that in your bank account just to consider it. A lot of the other top schools was like, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, which eventually yes. ASU ended up getting to that. Um, so ASU was had a lot cheaper, one. Two, Arizona, a lot Cheaper to live in as well, you know the yes. New Yorks and the Californias. Very living expenses are pretty high. Arizona proved to be a, a lot more affordable in that aspect. Three, I already had a friend who was there from my high school, a boarding school in South Africa, and he said, "Hey, you know, come. T- you can come stay with uh, me and my uh, him and his brother. Uh, we have a house here. We have a spare room. Um, so you have a landing pad to you get your f- get your feet on the ground, and then you can eventually." figure out yourself once you get here, but you have a place to stay. Um, So having a friend already in the system, already here was great. And then for something that was uh, very helpful, ASU didn't require me to uh, submit like an audition material beforehand. What they were offering is they said, you can get here, you'll be enrolled in the pre-theater program, and then you can audition in person since like some schools have a deadline as to when you have to submit your material and all of that. As you said, you can audition in person while you're here. And if you get into the program, then you become a full theater program. If not, then you have a couple of opportunities to try and get in. If we don't put you into pre theater pro into the theater program, then unfortunately you cannot pursue your theater degree. So that was helpful because a lot of deadlines had already passed by the time my family and i were financially and uh, in a good place ready to actually make the the jump aboard so all of those factors just helped and made asu you know and then when i applied asu had already accepted my application um, alongside the university of missouri kansas city that accepted but i didn't want to move to kansas i preferred arizona because of its location to california mm-hmm. and i didn't really know anyone in kansas too so so that really helped yeah and so ASU was uh, was the most obvious pick at,
0: out of the bunch that's why i ended up there and did you ever get i know for myself i i needed this this validation from from my parents eventually to see to show them like mm-hmm. see this is this is real mm-hmm. this is something i love this mm-hmm. is uh something viable if that's mm-hmm. like your goal and after that you know, you sharing a conversation with your parents. Mm-hmm. Did, did you ever get that validation? I guess that's sort of like, okay, we see, we see why you've pushed for this so hard.
1: Yes, I did. I did get it. I think the validation came. Well, first, you know, and, and, and I, you know, I, we, I would joke about it uh, parents being difficult about my career choices. Yes. Mm-hmm. Of course they really would have wanted one of their boys at least because I had I have two other brothers and none of us pursued, a career in the more in the stem fields say mm-hmm. you know, or we were all artists my eldest brother was a musician at the time my my brother right below him uh who was no longer with us unfortunately but when he was around he was a painter amazing painter and then there was me who wanted to pursue acting and then my sister above me wanted to be an actor as well and then my sister above her the one who's in the england living with her, her family over there she wanted to be an author so mm. none of us had interest wow. <laughs> <laughs> None of us had an interest in any of those stable careers right. that a parent would have want would would like their children to pick, especially in a country like mine where the arts is considered a hobby and not so mm-hmm. much a full time. None of us were interested in that. But when I graduated from high school, and because I was doing what I was passionate about, they saw that and said, "Well, it'll be unfortunate for us to force him to." go and study something that he he doesn't care about because he's not going to do well. Uh And I guess it took all my other siblings, misfortunes and unfortunate career paths at the time. Uh And then perhaps trying to push their agenda on them to, when it finally came to me being their youngest child, they were like, so all this stuff with the others didn't necessarily work out all that well. Uh Let's leave him and let him do what he wants and see what happens. So Big shout-out to my siblings for taking the first four blows because it yeah. spared me the last one. <laughs> um, and then there was that acceptance. And then it was like, you know, my dad paid for my college all four years. I had a couple mm. of scholarships here and there, but he sponsored everything. He said, I don't want you to get any into any debt. I don't want you to owe the American government anything because I'm sure he knows Good about it. Yeah. yeah, he's like, you tell me whatever you need. Don't borrow money from anybody unless it's like, you know, but... I want you to focus on your studies. I want you to be the best that you can be in this chosen field of yours. And they were fortunate to see me act in a play before moving to the United States, which kind of showed them that, oh, yeah, he is actually really good. Because mm-hmm. the whole time it was always me in school. I was in boarding school. They never they couldn't fly out to see me acting in my place. It was just not feasible. I did a few plays when I was living in Malawi. But that was, you know, I was a kid. It was. F- it was serious, but it was fun stuff. The old I was getting was when I started getting the more serious work yeah. and they were able to see that and they're like, okay, if you believe you can do it, let's, let's do it. And so the sponsorship came and, you know, and then eventually, you know, when I started actually making money from it, you know, fortunately my dad was around to actually see when the money started to come back in, uh, but mom is still here. So she gets to see you know, I was able to fly her out to Kenya because of my acting, you know, and uh, pay for hotel, do all those things that you always want to give back to mom. Like, don't worry, mom. And, you know, I was able to do that yeah. based off of my acting career. It's like, you see, it's not Hollywood yet, but then it's the building blocks to it. And I can take care of myself. You don't need to send me any more money. I'm fine. So there was
0: validation in that. They appreciate it. You know, they did at least. Yeah, That's awesome. I'm waiting yeah. for my four-year-old son to start paying for stuff on his own i think i think that might be the one of the, <laughs> the the goals as a parent is like yeah you're this thing you've you've created mm-hmm. and kept alive and and fed and clothed can mm-hmm. finally turn around and be like i got this it's cool mm-hmm. i got i got this and if you need it i got i got you
1: Mm, um mm, my mom mm. is still waiting my mom will
0: <laughs> <laughs> she'll she has my siblings but uh there you go they're taking the force of it so you, yeah. you get to
1: enjoy yourself and you yeah. know, and serena can enjoy uh, your 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 nuclear
0: family there exactly yeah yeah i'm sure culturally mm-hmm. i'm gonna guess uh arizona is different from malawi what what were nice. sort of the biggest maybe struggles or things you ran into culturally from moving here?
1: Mm. Mm. So I'll start by saying I was fortunate that in my younger years, I had lived in different countries before coming to the United States. Mm -hmm. I'd lived in the UK. I had gotten exposed to what it meant to be the only black person in a space
0: Mm.
1: pretty early. Of course, much younger, if there were any, microaggressions or prejudice perhaps i didn't necessarily notice because as a kid you're not really thinking about that until the adults start downloading your their insecurities into your brain and suddenly you become aware yeah but then i'd been used to that environment living in england you know and then moving to south africa being away from home and having to depend on myself because mom and dad went there immediately so moving to the united states as It was a big stretch, but I was also thrilled because I knew I'm finally going to that place, that country that I'd been watching on MTV for so many years mm-hmm. and all these music videos and seen all these movies and you have this preconceived notion of what the United States is going to be like um, till you get here and you're like, wait, what? Oh, you no. mean the, the homeless people? Oh, They're no. white? Mm-hmm. They're asking me for money? <gasps> I just meal what's happening (laughs) you know um and so you know so that was one of the things the other thing was also uh you know arizona uh, at the time it was a i think it was a red state still you know um politics wise the climate again also in the theater Mm -hmm. department i was one of the only straight black males in that theater program so that was something interesting to encounter and at the time, Arizona's uh, black population, Arizona State black population, was about eight point three percent. I know this because I I, uh, I looked it up and I worked in student services. So okay, I thought the statistics. To see, like, wait a to second, know. damn, you got the number ready to go. Yeah, and it it kind of hasn't changed over the years. It's still kind of maintained. Uh, I think it's probably in the low double digits now, but uh, the the black population is very small, even smaller in the theater department too. So again, I was in a white space for the most part. Um, learning Eurocentric education, you know, nothing of my African heritage. So I was kind of used to that. But what did start standing out a lot was the the African-American narrative
0: Mm. and
1: the African-American experience and what it meant to be Black in the United States. And it wasn't something that I had to think about until I got here. Then I really, really, really had to think about it because my life depended on it in ways that I'd never necessarily thought I had to worry about uh coming from a place where you know Malawi is like black people everywhere Uh, you know that's this it's not a thing but then you come here it's like oh you're black wow power to the people it's like yeah I guess power to the people cool what does that mean what does it mean you know and then I have it I have an accent so I'm seen as the same until i open my mouth and then it's like something different happens it's a different exchange there and then my black friends are also telling me about the black experience i'm like huh i I haven't had that yet mind you i've just moved here so i wasn't born and shaped by this environment i'm adopting it now as as an outsider as an expat coming into this, this new environment so there was a learning curve about that and then there was a moment where i even had a name crisis i was my, I guess my uh, Christian name is Abraham. Mm-hmm. My Malawian or African name is Anene, uh, A N E N E, which uh, means must speak. Depending on which uh, language you're uh, you're deriving it from. Then I had this very awkward interaction with a with a Caucasian lady who told me that I wasn't African enough. Um, oh yeah, what? Yeah, and I was like, huh? What does that even mean? W- what? what is your perception of what an African man is supposed to be, you know? And I wasn't fulfilling her fantasy, I suppose, of what that was meant. And I I started to think about this, like, I'm not African enough? Really? How much more African could I get? And that's the beginning of now the whole, like, wow, I could not be enough of what I am. It's still more. I mean, I understand fulfilling my potential in my career. I could be a better actor, do that, then... I could
0: be even more african than i am did you not ride in on a lion
1: you know what i missed that part okay i missed so that's, that part okay. that was probably what i needed that's what threw her off i think the fact that i didn't have my lion simba wasn't my pet like i think it was <laughs> it was
0: a tragedy i wasn't hakuna matataring enough why okay so, well, we have her as a guest. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, lady.
1: Where are you? She's here. Uh, she's um, here.
0: Oh, she's, so that
1: okay. and, and, you know, those are just one of the moments where I, I, the, the American experience then started to open its 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 arms to me. And, and I really had to start thinking. So the name crisis was like, well, so should I start calling myself Anene and I should abandon Abraham, which has been the name I'd been addressed by for up until that point, 21 years of my life. And suddenly now it's like, do I have to adopt this persona of being more African Mm. um, to satisfy this one person? Is that how everybody feels? I don't know. Not everyone has the courage to tell me to my face that I'm not African enough. She did. Maybe I should give her props for being the brave one. Or maybe I should call my my female friends to take care of that because I know if I did, it would be a problem. Um. Yeah. So th- those are. That was just the beginning of it, and you know it goes even further. But uh, that was something that I I, I remember uh, being introduced to early on, and it's been a narrative throughout my American experience since. And uh, there's still I still moments where I question. Okay, so what is my role in this environment today? What do I bring to the American audience now as an artist with my background and my life experience? Am I qualified to tell the African-American story if that's the work that I'm going to be hired to do? Because if you want people to represent exactly where they're from, I'm not American. I'm living here. I've probably been embraced by it for, for, by some. And I'm still an outsider by many others, account at least, um, even though I've been here for 13 years. The longest place that I've lived in my life at one given time. Oh. It's been here in the United States. Wow. I've been all over the place. But here, I've been here for 13 years.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so how, how much more do I need to to justify my, my story here? And the story changes. America is not the same from 2008 when I first got here mm-hmm. to 2021 to the conversations we're having now. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. So I have to continue updating myself and still remember who I am because there are people back home who are wanting me to fly my Malawian flag out here. On the global stage, so they are also appreciative of me representing them on the biggest stage you can find. I still need to. Owe, I still owe them something too, mm-hmm. you know. But I live here, so that's a question. It's it's an ongoing conversation. Yeah, yeah.
0: Did we ever talk about when I was begging you to be on the podcast? Uh, <laughs> did I? Did it? Did we say a time limit?
1: Did I say we, an hour? Yes. I think we mentioned about an hour, but we have clocked close to an hour and we've only asked three questions. So
0: I know I, I don't
1: know how much more you had.
0: I kind of want to do this again with you because I like, as you speak and you share a certain story, 17 more questions pop up in my head. And then as you answer one of the questions I chose, 17 more from that (laughs) one, I go, I, I sorry, if. I I cannot curse if you'd like. But uh I still podcast but I'm here for it. Only seven people listen to it. Um <laughs> four now our, now they next did. week next week five five uh, damn it. <laughs> damn it. Around Christmas time it it goes up. I don't it know why. I'm not really sure. It's the season. It's the season to help this Vietnamese woman with tattoos. Um <laughs> but I would love to have you on again. Uh, yes, I, I told you an hour, so I, I want to honor that. I
1: could give a, I can give a few more minutes if if there's something if you want to wrap things up in a way, uh, I'm fine with it. But if you want to respect also your, the list, the audience's attention span, I'm good I, too. We,
0: we I can chop res- this up. I don't respect the audience. Um So okay. one thing that that you brought up that as I've sort of been to- toiling with as an actor, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a lot of pushback now. Um with actors playing who they are, right? Mm-hmm. So if it having a straight actor play a gay character or having a handy, capable person mm-hmm. uh it, the spaces right are not open. Um, or having a trans actor actually play a trans character versus having a cisgender. Mm-hmm. I one interesting push I've heard with uh like Daniel Kaluuya. Um boom yeah he okay. he gets a lot of flack for this and i you know i think i land on if the talent is there they mm-hmm. should be able to portray it and again each each specific topic of like do you have a non-christian person play a priest in a movie do you have like each thing has its own conversation under it mm-hmm. but just specifically talking about the black experience in america mm-hmm. is he qualified to play these characters I mean you you brought it up a little bit like you know how 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 do you go how do you move as an artist in that where are you with that and sort of that uh, working through that idea yes it's and I'm glad actually you brought up Daniel Kaluuya, because
1: that was the example I was going to offer uh, mm. based off of where I thought that the question uh, the direction of the question was going and you can see how significant um, that movie that the recent one he did with, uh, um, oh goodness, I'm spacing on the title. Where he um, called, Judas uh, and the Black Judas Messiah. And the, yeah, Judas and the Black Messiah, right? Um, it's, a, it's a multi-varied uh, um, challenge that if all the elements f- fit and fall just right, mm-hmm. you can almost get away with it with very little flack. And I think Judas and the Black Messiah was successful in doing that. The other movie that comes to mind is Selma, where you've got David Oyelowo uh, playing Martin Luther King Mm -hmm. in one of the most significant films where Martin Luther King's story is actually the highlight of it. It's not just a, a passing thing. We're actually getting to see Mm -hmm. you know, a a moment in time of Martin Luther's uh, 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 life being depicted by an Afro-British actor. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what do you mean that there's no Black American actors who can portray Martin Luther King that we can find here? It's like, no, you can, and they are out there and they're doing a fantastic job, whatever it is else that they're doing. But then the entertainment industry is is so that depending on who's picking the story, if you have well-established actors playing certain roles, you then start to associate, like if Denzel played Martin Luther King, not saying that he cannot, but Denzel Washington is so well-established in his career. One, we already love him as Malcolm X. uh, And so it'll be interesting to see Denzel taking on a Malcolm X uh, knowing, I'm taking on a Martin Luther knowing that he played Malcolm X. Um be great. Past his uh, past his time at that point, sure. You want to give opportunities to other actors who are who can deliver the goods, but also don't have so much clout attached to them that they can be remembered for that one thing. And you're actually seeing the person that the actor is portraying as opposed to the celebrity playing this character. Yes. So there's a lot of creative... Uh, decision making that needs to happen in that aspect and taking a chance on new names everybody also everyone needs to get a chance to also prove Mm themselves the entertainment had the way the entertainment algorithm works they have to pick their person and everyone will have a moment and then they'll they'll shine and then they'll fizzle out because they'll be replaced by somebody else daniel kaluya is as a perfect example where he was riding on a high at that point he had just Uh, We had just seen him in Get Out. We had also seen him uh, in, I think, Queen and Slim came out before uh, Judas and uh, and Black Messiah. So we had seen this, right. and then there was also the Black Panther movies as well. We got to see this character, this actor, do such a stellar job financially in terms of how many butts do you get in the theater seat Mm -hmm. to watch this movie. That is also a calculation that needed to be taken into account not to mention he's talented as hell and he can do the job. So you're going to get the goods financially, creatively. It made sense that he gets the part. Mm -hmm. So now it's now up to the American audience to decide, well, if he sucked, then it adds to the criticism, like, why did you cast a British actor to play an American? Because he sucked. His accent wasn't believable. His acting choices were terrible. He doesn't know anything about the Black struggle in America. He's a foreigner, blah, 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 blah. That could have added to it. But the fact that he did a decent job, it's like, well, you know, he did a good job. He represented it well. And there's less to to criticize on him. And then there's something about, you know, British actors now in, in the training. I mean, I'm sure you probably heard stories but like, why are all the superheroes foreigners? Like you go, <laughs> Superman yeah. is being played by a, by a British actor. You got, uh, you know. Doctor Strange. Uh, Doctor Strange is
0: played by a Spider-Man, British Spider-Man, yeah.
1: Spider-Man. All these American uh, icon, iconic figures are being played by foreign actors. Why is that? You know, um, something about the training, something about what is masculinity there was an article I read about that sorry this is now getting a long-winded answer but there's an article I read about American masculinity is being uh, what's the word the word there's a word for it is it hetero it's not the gritty uh, masculine uh, that it I guess it once was and there's something suave about I guess the British masculinity that kind of brings that to it which is appealing to the audience Mm. it's not dulled up and pretty all so much it's kind of rough and rugged and it fulfills a certain fantasy of what women want and what men want to be that then sells the tickets in the box office that that's what that article alluded to as well so it was interesting to read that so you have all of these things that are playing to it and that feeds to who gets the job so you and i could be perfectly qualified for it but if we don't satisfy these other variables then That's probably why we don't get the call at this point until we Mm -hmm. find something that fits exactly what you and I are ready to do. And then it'll be our moment to shine and it'll be our big break and that will take off. And so for me, how do I fit into this as the narrative continues to change into representation, accurate representation of people of that life portraying themselves in movies? It narrows the field for what you and I can do, Mm -hmm. uh, if you're being honest about it. But it also gives the opportunity for other people who are of that to represent themselves in a more accurate way. Do the communities of those people get to pick who represents them on the big screen? You know, what if they don't agree that so and so from that community is the best representation of that? What if there's an actor from another place who could do a better job at representing that community? And now the whole project fails because you're trying to honor uh, that thing, but then they're not able to bring the goods all the way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's always going to be a topic and no matter how you go about it, someone is going to have a positive and a negative to say about it. Uh, at the end of the day, if the art um, is entertaining, brings money, gives a good message and doesn't step on all 10 toes, maybe it steps on four mm-hmm. toes out of the 10, then
0: you, you've got to hit. Thanks yeah. for... Reminding me that I, I don't have all 10 oh, um, <sighs> toes. It yeah, it's a leaf blowing accident. Ah. Um, <laughs> so, I usually we can go super fast because it's, it's over the hour, but I'd love to have Let's you uh, on again for the rest of your life. What is your how much song? money you got? Uh, oh, yeah. hold on. Now, hold, on now. <laughs> hold on. I have a negative sign in my bank account. Uh, what, oh, damn. what song recommendation do you have? Mm. So the song I'm playing right now
1: that I'm totally digging the vibe uh, is called Mona Lisa by Lojay, L-O-J-A-Y. It's an Afrofusion tune by a Nigerian artist who is definitely uh, doing the right things right now. And that jam in particular just does, does it for me, it's doing it for me right now. There are many other songs, but I had to pick one. Sorry, Burner Boy. I love you, Burner Boy. But I'm going to give this one. I'm going to give Lo-J uh, the, shine, the shine right now. Yeah. Uh, so if you can find that song and play it,
0: yes. uh, hopefully you enjoy it. I will. Uh, we have yeah. Burner Boy here. Burner Boy, do you want to say? No. Um, <gasps> um What have you done this week to take care of yourself? I've drank more water than usual. There we go. Perfect. Oh. Um, I need to be better at that, though. Yeah. What cartoon world do you wish you could live in for a week? If, <laughs> I don't know if you watch, if you don't watch cartoons, you could pick a show, but. Oh, no, let me see if I could cartoon. cartoon worlds. Ah, uh, if I could live in in a week? For a week, yep. Boy.
1: Wow, that's such a great question. Oh, man. What cartoon world would I want to live in in a week? For, uh, for a week? Mm, mm, mm. I think it would have to be one of the oldest episodes or seasons of The Simpsons or South Park. I think the two of them can find it out. Oh, wait, no, maybe not so much South Park. South Park is hilarious, but I think I'll I think I'll give it to the Simpsons. That's the best answer I can give you right now. I think the, the an older season of The Simpsons. I haven't watched The Simpsons now. I don't know what they're doing recently, but yeah, definitely. That's uh, a solid pick. Simpsons, yeah, yeah. What is something you are self conscious about? Something I'm self conscious about. Mm. I'm self conscious about ah oh, shame, but I love it though. It's my car. I'll be honest, my car. It's it's the love of my life, and I enjoy it very much. But there are times when I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna park you here, and I'm gonna walk. the rest of the way and then the other days days, I'm just like no F it Mm -hmm. this is me baby here's my car I love you Uh, yeah but uh, yeah I mean it's materialistic I get it Uh, but it's I have been having a conversation I think at some point it's it's time for me to get a new car because I I don't know if it's always going to get me where I'm going uh, uh, and even though it has, and it hasn't failed me so much recently, it's got over 216,000 miles on it. Yeah. My car is 24 years old. It's still going, but I need to get to work and I cannot afford to, uh, to have to do this on the side of the road.
0: <laughs> no. Thumbs up asking for a ride. So, um, got it. Yeah. The final question What would you want your last meal? To be. There's a situation you can have it, you could pick and choose. The last meal. My last meal. Oh man. It'll be a buffet so I can keep going back. Hey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It'll be a buffet so I can keep going back. It'll be a fusion of.
0: Yeah, what's uh, at this buffet? What's at this buffet?
1: It'll be a fusion of Indian. Mm. Italian, Ooh. Ethiopian, okay, and uh, Thai food—all <sighs> of those just available for me to pick at end, and I'll just keep going back.
0: Yeah,
1: until until my stomach is like, okay, now it's the food that's about to take you out. Yeah, like, no, whatever is it is, that's your last meal. Your food's <laughs> about to kill you. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I died full, baby. Yeah.
0: Mm. Full and happy. That's All right. Nice. Thank you so much for doing that. I definitely want you on. Uh, I know we only got partway through your your journey, but I'm fascinated. I love talking to you. I miss your energy and your face. Thank we'll, you. We'll do this again soon, I hope. I look forward to it. Just let me know. We'll make it happen. For sure. And I'll try to, I'll try to get some money so I can pay you. What? Uh, huh? Uh, what? what? Nothing. What? Okay. Bank account. Okay. Okay. My Bye. Venmo oh, is. No. <laughs> <laughs> Have a
1: great day. Thanks a lot, man. You too, Michael. say hi to the family for me. Yes, I will. Absolutely. But what's beautiful about the opportunities, understanding that even though that life can't suck, the fact that we understand what hurt, suffering, pain can be Mm -hmm. means that there are opportunities and moments where we can actually celebrate life as well.